Hey everyone, welcome to Infused Church Online and part two of our series, Creatures of Habit. I'll be back preaching next week, but today Pastor Mike is here from Fort Dodge to bring us part two of our series where we're going to be talking about habits that you can introduce into your life that will bring real life change. I'm so glad you're here. Good morning, Creatures of Habit. How are you? Hey, look at somebody and say, you know, you are a creature of habit. Go ahead and tell them that. Just, I'm serious. Go ahead and do that. So, whether we realize it or not, we are all creatures of habit. Uh, we need habits. I said this last week. We need habits because habits free up our minds to do other things. Because habits are things that we do without thinking. And so, for those of you that weren't here last week, I'm going to do a really quick review of a few things we talked about last week, but not so much, hopefully, as to bore those of you that were here last week, uh, if that hasn't already happened. Um, we want to talk about these habits because habits are important. They make up a big part of our lives, and some habits help us, and some habits hurt us. Some habits are better than others. Some habits actually make life easier. Other habits actually make life harder. And we tend to think of the bad habits, and we categorize the bad habits as certain things that we all know are bad habits, right? Uh, but sometimes the ones that are most nefarious are the ones that don't look like bad habits, but can actually take our lives in a direction uh, that may not be productive for us or may not be our best possible life. And so let's answer a question first if we're going to talk about habits. First question is, what is a habit? Here's a dictionary definition. Last week I brought you several. I'm going to keep it to uh, just one particular dictionary. The American Heritage Dictionary defines a habit like this, a, re a recurrent often unconscious pattern of behavior that is acquired through frequent repetition. So to break that down, something you do a whole bunch of times until you do it without thinking, basically. And then the, next, the second definition in the American heritage is an established disposition of the mind or character. So we actually develop habits of the mind. We develop habits of the character. Um, in fact, habits can be very, very compelling things. Um, in fact, habits can drive us to a certain extent. Let me give you an example of, I, I mentioned this a little bit last week, but um, I came to Christ in 1979 and my life went through a drastic transformation. My wife and I, uh, both around the same time, came to a decision to be followers of Christ. She was a, a previous Baptist who had gotten away from her faith. I was someone who had never really had faith. I went to a church when I was very small, but really never had a faith of my own. And so in 1979, we had a conversion experience, I guess you'd say. But up until that point, we were both um, abusing drugs, alcohol, uh, kind of a crazy life. I was smoking, as I told you last week, about three packs of cigarettes a day at the time I quit. Um, so that's quite a habit. That's 60 times a day reaching for that cigarette and having a, a smoke. Um, and here's how these habits, these cravings, can drive us. I remember leaving our home. We lived on a little acreage uh, between Mason City and Clear Lake and uh, in northern Iowa. And I remember leaving my home in a blizzard to drive to the store to get cigarettes because I was out of cigarettes. And it, it compelled me to go out in weather that I typically probably wouldn't want to go out in because I needed to have that smoke. That's how habits can compel us. I remember other times making a rum run um, for the same reason that I just, I, we were out and I needed some. And so you go, it doesn't matter what the weather's like or what time of day it is, it compels us to do certain things. But also, habits can compel us in a positive way as well. Um, as I, again, told you last week, I have a habit of working out. I enjoy working out. I do it not every day, but most days. And if I miss two or three days, my body actually craves 
that workout. My body actually desires to work out. I know that sounds strange uh, if you don't work out, but if you do, you know what I'm talking about, right? Your body needs that. It's like it craves that. It desires that. Um, and so these habits can be either good or bad. Um, one thing that I do before I marry people is I take them through uh, uh, pre-marriage classes. And it's just me and the couple and we go through these different things. And I give them a survey, I would think 156 questions on this survey, and then it breaks it down into like eight or nine different departments. You talk about communication and marriage expectations and personality and relating style, those things. My favorite question in that survey is a question that goes like this. My future spouse has, and then you pick one of four choices, no annoying habits, one habit that annoys me, two or more habits that annoy me, many habits that annoy me. And that's my favorite question because it opens up some of the most unique conversations about habits. And in some cases, these spouses hadn't talked to one another about these habits. And it's been everything from nail biting to smoking to cussing to, I remember one in particular where the wife is like, when he is gaming, he can't hear me, he can't see me, I can walk right in front of him, he doesn't even know I'm there. He's, he's just such a gamer. And, and the question is always, well, can you live with that habit if this person never changes? Because there's no guarantee they're going to change. So is that a deal breaker for you? That's kind of the question. Because habits are tough to change, but they can be changed. And so literally anything can become a habit in our lives. Even the daily Starbucks coffee. We were at Starbucks this morning. If you saw me come in today, I came in with my Starbucks coffee. So obviously, I'm not opposed to Starbucks. But if I'm spending $50 a week at Starbucks, I might want to think about that habit. Or not. I don't know. Anyway, the place where I get coffee is a little place called Quick Star. I like their, their coffee. It's a good coffee and it's cheap, especially the way I get it. But they have a little sign in there that says, Today's good mood is brought to you by coffee. You know, if coffee is what puts us in a good mood, we might have a problem. I'm just saying. Might have a problem. Anyway, so in this regard, habits actually, I guess we could say in some ways, define our, our lives. And if there's a little thing I used last week. Let me just kind of go back to this for a moment. These five words. Say them with me, would you please? Thoughts, actions, habits, character, and destiny. Let me tell you why I put those there. Your thoughts are extremely important because your thoughts will eventually become an action. And if you do something in action enough times, it will become a what? A habit. You'll do it without even thinking, unconsciously. I talked about some of that last week. If you weren't here, go back and listen to it. I think it's probably on the website. You can go back and listen to that. Um, and I can talk about, I talked about some of the habits that we can have. And so we, we do these things without really thinking. And then you take all of your habits, put all the things you do habitually together, and that defines your what? Your character, and your character will ultimately determine your destiny in life. And so really we can trace our destiny back to our thoughts because it's thoughts that produce habits. But here's the interesting thing. Once a habit takes hold, the thought process is removed. And the actions happen automatically without actually having to think it through. So after a process of time, the thoughts are no longer necessary. Check out this quote from Charles Duhigg. He says this, 40% of your actions, I'm going to make this really personal for us today, 40% of your actions are not conscious decisions, but habits. So habits are a big part of your life, and a lot of the time you don't even notice it. 
So there's a part of the brain, still reviewing for a minute here, there's a part of the brain that's responsible for habits called the basal ganglia. The basal ganglia looks like this. It's just, well, it doesn't actually look like this, but it's this little, I'm sure it's not pink, but it's this little part in the center of the brain somewhere that's made out of a bunch of fibers, and it's responsible for creating, maintaining, and cycling habits. And it allows us to do things without really thinking. So science has discovered, I'm getting to the end of my review, science has discovered that there is a neurological loop at the core of every habit, and that the basal ganglia actually creates this neurological loop when it comes to habits. Here's the loop. Some of you will remember this. Here's what the loop looks like. It begins with a cue. Something cues us, something snaps for us. In AA and NA, they call it a trigger. Something triggers, something happens, and then that kicks in a routine. At the end of the routine, you get a certain reward. Now, last week, I talked about a current habit that I'm working on. Anybody remember what that was? Chips and chocolate. It's both gratifying and frightening that you remember that. So uh, chips and chocolate, that's right. Uh, when people ask me, when you ask that question, what's your favorite go-to bedtime snack? Without a doubt, chocolate. But as I said, I've gone to dark chocolate because it's, got, it's high in antioxidants, so it's extremely healthy. Um, so uh, so here's, the, here's the neurological loop when it comes to my snacking. So here's the cue. I feel snacky. Or maybe I just feel bored. You have to identify what's causing me to do this, right? The routine get chips and or chocolate. And, you know, it's amazing. I talked about this last week. Somebody comes to me afterwards and said, you know, they now make chips that are dipped in chocolate. I said, I know. Don't remind me. Now I want to go get some. Um, chips and or chocolate. It's a great combination. The reward, no longer snacky. Alleviate boredom for a few minutes. You just feel better. And at the same time, I feel a little worse because I know I shouldn't be eating chips and chocolate. I'm not 16 anymore. I'm 63. I need to change the way I eat. I realize that. So i got to tell you, just give you a little bit of a, uh, a report, I guess. I've done better this week on chips and chocolate. I found some substitutes. It's not broccoli. Uh, but I, but I've, you know, and I've known about these things, but I've, I've been eating rice cakes. They're better than they sound. Uh, they flavor them, and there's hardly any calories in them. There's not really much of anything in them. It's like eating... I don't know, cardboard or something, but they taste pretty good, and there's really not much to them, you know. So it's a night, it's probably better than chips and chocolate, not that I didn't eat any chips or chocolate, my wife would call me on the carpet if I said that, uh, but less than normal, and I did not go out and buy chips this week. That's a victory, whether you realize it or not. So we've talked about this neurological loop and how that, how that works. Obviously, God knows about the power of habit. He knows about the basal ganglia, he created it. And the habit loop is there, the neurological loop is there, really is there to free our minds to think about other things. There's so many things we do by habit, and it frees our minds to be involved in other things. Remember my garage door story from last time? We, in fact, we can be so focused on doing other things with our minds that we don't even remember what we're doing anymore. So let me read a passage of Scripture to you from Romans chapter 12, and we'll get on with our message. Uh, nudge your neighbor, say he's about to start now. Nobody did that. Okay, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. How many of you have one of those? Awesome. Your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. So Paul is writing here. He says, this is what I want you to do, and God will help you with this. Just place your life before God as an offering. But not, when he talks about this everyday, ordinary, sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, he's really talking about our habit life. Place your habit life before God. And then he says this, embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Then in verse 2, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture 
that you fit into it without even thinking. When you read those words without even thinking, that should trigger the idea that this is talking about a habit. Because habits are things that we do without even thinking. We might get in the habit of just going along with the culture at hand, living the way the world tells us we should live without even really thinking about it, and in the process, miss out on something really wonderful. Instead, he says, you should fix your attention on God. You'll be changed, check out this terminology, you'll be changed from the inside out. You know what that's really talking about? He'll change us on the inside. That's where the habits are. He'll change us from the habit life. Once, once our habits begin to change, what we do on the outside begins to change. If I go back to my queue, I'm feeling snacky. Instead of going for chips and chocolate, I go for chocolate-flavored rice cakes. It's like cardboard with chocolate on it. But there's no chocolate actually in it, I don't think. I don't know. There's not much in there. There's, there's like 45 or 50 calories or something. And so I, I eat that. That's the routine, right? When I change that routine, the results are still the same. I'm changing from the inside out. I'm changing on the inside what I want to do, so I'm eating something different, and that's going to change that habit. It says this, recognize, readily recognize what he wants from you, quickly respond to it, unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity. God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity within you. Bottom line, God wants to help us have the best possible habits. 40% of your life is going to be made up of your habits. Those habits might as well be the best they possibly can. Anybody agree with me on that? If we create good habits, we will create good character, and that will create a good destiny, and our lives can actually be changed. So I want to start with that first verse again. Here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, place it before God as an offering. Great. How do we do that? How do we do that? How do we, on a practical level, take that everyday, ordinary life, our sleeping, eating, walking around life, going to work, placing it before God? Well, I think to do, to do that, we have to consider what is God's will for our lives. How does God want me to live? How does he want me to think? What kind of habits does God want me to have? And one thing we can do is we can bring up a question here. In Christianity, Jesus has become our example in all things. So we could ask ourselves, could Jesus become an example for us in habits? Would Jesus have had habits? Interesting question. Would Jesus have had habits? Well, let's ask a different question. Was Jesus human? 451, the uh, Council of Chalcedon answered that question. Jesus is fully God and fully human, and that's what the church has believed ever since. So as a fully human individual, would he have had a basal ganglia? Of course. And with a basal ganglia, would he have had habits? The answer is yes. And so we think about that. We read through the Gospels. We read about Jesus's habits. They weren't nail-biting or, um, you know, those kinds of things. He didn't make odd sounds. I knew somebody one time that just made chomping sounds. He'd go like this all the time. It was just a habit. Didn't even realize he was doing it. He didn't have those kind of habits, but he did have some habits. He was human, and he had habits. Let's look at this. First of all, there are about 42 references in the Gospels to Jesus praying. So let me just throw this out there. We might say that Jesus had a prayer habit. He had a habit of praying. Now, this is the Son of God, and he has this habit of praying. Check out this verse in Mark 135. In the morning, while it was still very dark, that's where Jesus and I have this thing in common. I get up at 4.30 every morning. It's my habit. Except today, when I needed to drive to Iowa City, and I get up at 5.30. But anyway, um, it was still very dark. He got up and went out to a deserted place, and there he prayed. 
So he gets up early in the morning, goes out, and prays. Another place it says that he has, kind of has a habit of this. In fact, look at this in Luke 22. And he came out and went as was his habit. Check that out. He came out and went as was his habit. Did he have a habit? He had a habit. He had this habit. He went to the Mount of Olives. This could have been what it was talking about earlier, to a secret or deserted place. And the disciples followed him. And he, when he came to that place, he said to them, pray that you may not fall uh, I may not at all enter into temptation. And then he withdrew from them about a stone's throw and knelt down and prayed. So Jesus, it said, had this habit of going to this place. He went to this place for the purpose of prayer. And in his prayers, Jesus spoke of so many things as he prayed to his Father. We see him going to this secluded place in the Mount of Olives or perhaps Mount Arbel and offering prayer. On the cross, even, Jesus offered prayer. In fact, it's an incredible prayer. Jesus is hanging from the cross, having been crucified by the Roman soldiers that were, that were standing there, and he offers this prayer. Does anybody remember the prayer? Father, forgive them. And he wasn't just talking about the Roman soldiers. He was talking about all sinners whose sins had placed him on that cross. And he offered forgiveness for sin before anybody ever thought of asking for forgiveness from, for sin. That prayer habit for him, even when he was in great agony, that prayer habit kicked in. And I believe that God wants us to develop a similar habit. Check out this verse in Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians 5.17. Just three words in the English language. Pray without ceasing. Pray without ceasing. That means to pray all the time. Well, how are we going to do that? We can't pray all the time. I don't pray all the time. I don't know anybody who prays all the time. But could we have a habit of prayer? That at any moment, a cue could spark the routine of prayer and the reward could be not only that we might get refreshed or that our lives might be more aware of God's presence but maybe God would answer that prayer and something truly amazing could happen could prayer be a constant and unconscious pattern or behavior acquired through frequent repetition remember that definition of habit it's a, a unconscious pattern or behavior acquired through frequent repetition could we be so accustomed to praying that any little cue could cause us to pray? That cue could literally be anything. So what happens? Any, any little thing could come along. I know somebody who um, had this habit of silently praying every time they heard a siren. They're driving their car, they're in their house, whatever, they hear a siren. Going off sirens always mean they got to get there in a hurry for some reason. Something's wrong, right? So this individual would just be in the habit every time they heard a, a siren offering a silent prayer. Have no idea what's going on or what's happening, but God help whatever is going on there. Help the people involved, help the situation to have a good, good resolve. That's the routine. What was the reward of that? Well, the reward is just simply knowing that you did something, that that prayer routine actually kicked in. And so we have the, the cue, could be literally anything. The routine is prayer. The reward is the power for us to change, for us to begin to do something different. Um, we can pray when we see someone having a bad day. Anybody ever see somebody having a bad day at work or maybe in your house? You know, some of the greatest challenges that we have with people are people whose mail shows up at our address. I'll let that sink in for a second. Anyway, uh, this idea when someone's having a bad day, just to offer a silent prayer. It doesn't have to be you know, laying hands on someone and speaking and praying over them. Uh, but just maybe the person that they're, I've, I've run into this situation where uh, I was in Walmart one time checking out and the lady, elderly lady there at the checkout and we engaged in a simple, hey, how are you? How's it going today? And, and she said, well, it's my last day of the week. And I said, oh, that, my week's over. I think it was a Thursday. She said, my week's over today. And I said, well, that's, that's cool. That's good. A little extra long weekend. She said, well, no, I got to go in tomorrow for a surgery. 
and uh, she said, I'm really nervous about it. And before I even thought, I just said, would it be okay if I prayed for you? And she was standing behind the counter, just rang up my stuff, and we kind of finished our business, and she immediately sticks her hand out. So I grabbed a hold of her hand, and I offered a short prayer for her. And you know what? I never talked to her again, didn't find out how the surgery went or anything about it. But we can develop that habit of just praying. And sometimes prayers can lead to action. Sometimes when we're praying for someone, it may lead us to actually do something for them. Again, another um, checkout line story. Standing in a checkout line one day at Hy-Vee, and there's a young couple and another young man checking out you know, their food and stuff, and they went to pay with a called an EBT card, I think, the electronic card, and, and uh, they swiped the card, and it was, it was short by, I don't know what it was, a dollar and some change or whatever, and these three young people are digging through their pockets and through their stuff trying to find the change, and I'm right behind them, and I could tell, that the, I could tell immediately that um, the lady, the clerk, got a little nervous about this, and a little frustrated with them that they weren't able to pay at all, and I just offered a simple, Lord, help them. And immediately it came to me, you know what? I just, it came out of my mouth. I'll pay, the, I'll pay the difference. Got in my pocket, gave the money to pay the difference. And these young people thanked me over and over. It fell all over themselves thanking me for, a, like I said, maybe a dollar and some change. But they thanked me because it was an embarrassing situation that they just got out of. And when they left, the clerk said, I've never seen anybody do anything like that before. And I thought, wow, that's kind of sad. Don't you think? It's kind of sad that we don't have the presence of mind to think, but maybe people just don't think about that because they're not having this habit of praying. And I'm not saying that I have a great habit of praying and that I never miss it. I could tell you a lot of stories about times that I've probably missed it um, in those simple areas where I, I could have probably prayed or done something that would have made a difference. But when it comes to this idea of prayer, there's a simple belief that's necessary. And when we change any habits... Any bad habits that we want to change to a good habit? Remember last week I gave you a card? How many of you were here last week got the little card? It says the habit that you want to change, and it has the cue, the routine, and the reward. And then what the new habit would be, there's some of those cards on the table back there. They're free if you want to grab one before you go. If you have a habit that you want to change, this is just kind of a reminder, kind of a cue to help you know how to change that habit. But one of the things we have to believe is that change is possible, that we can really change our habits, and that changed habits make a difference. We have to believe it can really happen. I like the line of Yoda. Do or do not, there is no try. You know, don't try to change your habits. Just change your habits. Just start doing something different. Get a different routine with those cues, and your habits will change. And I think one of the greatest things we can do is begin to change our prayer habits. It's one of the keystones. There are certain keystone habits that when you change that particular habit or pick up a particular habit, it begins to change other habits in our lives. I guarantee you, prayer is a keystone habit that can change many, many things in your lives. It changed me, literally, from an alcoholic and drug addict to a preacher. I went to my class reunion, I think our 35th year or whatever it was, class reunion, and uh, I had people telling me, I never thought you would be doing what you're doing. And I said, me either. Last thing in the world I would have expected when I was in high school that I would be a, a preacher. You know, that was not the direction that my life was going by any means. Things can change when we change those few keystone habits in prayer, I think, is one of the most important ones. So I want to pray for you. Just before I do that, I want to invite you, if any of you have uh, some time free on November 1st, our church has uh, just finished recording, and the producers in Kansas City have just produced and mastered a, an album. Uh, we have four original songs and two covers that we're doing, and uh, we're doing a release party on November 1st at our church in Fort Dodge. I know it's like three hours away, but if you have, need something to do on November 1st and want to come to a release party, we're going to perform the songs, we're going to sing the songs, we're going to have some food, we're going to have some stuff to, to sell, and if you show up, if anybody from, from, from Infuse shows up, I'll give you some stuff. How about that? 
little incentive. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you today for this opportunity to be together and to look at the power of habit and how the prayer habit can deeply change our lives. Thank you today, God, for this congregation. I pray that they, uh, as we all look at this subject, that we make a, a decision that our lives will change for the better. And then we'll look at those habits that make up 40% of our daily lives and decide what needs to be done and what needs to be left behind. And we thank you again today for your goodness and for your compassion toward us in Jesus' name. Amen. What could be your cue to cue you into a time of prayer? Whatever you need to do right now, take a piece of paper out, maybe open up your phone and write this down. What is your cue, routine, and reward when it comes to what you desire to be your prayer time? For example, if something, maybe waking up in the morning, is your cue, then write that down. And then follow that with five minutes of prayer. And then this week, I want you to focus on just simply not what you're going to talk about in your prayer or even the amount of time you're maybe going to pray. Just remember that cue. My cue is when I wake up in the morning, my cue is whatever. I am going to pray. And then this week, really focus on that cue and then following it up with a time of prayer. And I think you'll be really glad that you did. We'll see you next week.